0: Hello, and welcome to the Tiny Vampires Podcast. This is episode one. Uh, It's titled, Are Mosquitoes That Carry Zika Already in the U.S.? I'm Raven for Scoutzo, your host, and this is the very first episode of Tiny Vampires, so thank you for joining me from the very beginning. I'm excited to announce that Tiny Vampires is officially available on iTunes and Stitcher, so if you are listening on one of those platforms, we're very glad to have you. Let's dive right in with our first question of the day, which was sent in uh, through the Tiny Vampires Facebook page by Bryn Alexander. Bryn's question is, are mosquitoes that carry Zika already in the U.S.? I hear of those who traveled and came back with it, but not of mosquitoes coming here. This question is great for the first episode because it really gets into the history of Zika, and it is also a nice chance to talk about something called vector competence and medical geography. Zika was discovered by G.W.A. Dick, and his team in Uganda in Africa, uh, way back in 1952. Dick's team was trying to get more information about yellow fever, which is caused by another mosquito-borne virus. They used something called sentinel monkeys uh, to do this. These monkeys are kept outdoors and were periodically checked for disease. At the same time, the team was also capturing mosquitoes and testing them as well. When one of these monkeys became ill, they isolated the virus from its blood and found that it was not yellow fever but it was a totally new virus that was related to yellow fever. They named it after the forest where it was found, which was Zika. Some of these mosquitoes captured also were infected by this virus. These mosquitoes were called Aedes africanus. This may appear to be a smoking gun. The Aedes africanus mosquito must have been the ones to bite the monkeys and transmit the virus to them. But researchers must dig a little deeper to be sure, because although mosquitoes may be capable of carrying the disease, they might not be very good at transmitting it. So a good example of this would be uh, if you picture yourself as a kindergarten teacher. You know all your students very well. Some are outgoing, full of energy, kind of social butterflies, while others are very calm and introverted. When you're assigning the finger paints, you might choose to give them to the calm, more introverted child because they're less likely to spill or smear paint on their classmates. It's the same with vector insects. Knowing their behavior well gives us insight into their likelihood of transmitting a disease onto humans. While multiple mosquito species may be capable of being infected with Zika, some are much more likely to transmit it than others, while others still might not even be capable of being infected. This concept is called vector competence. The Aedes family generally is capable of being infected with Zika, while the Anopheles family is not. So we would say that the Aedes have a higher vector competence for Zika than Anopheles do. Within the Aedes family, Aedes aegypti is a city dweller that primarily feeds on humans. In fact, many consider these uh, mosquitoes to be domesticated. While Aedes sabathes mostly lives in the jungle and feeds on monkeys. Even though these species could harbor a virus, a person is much more likely to become sick from Aedes aegypti bite than a Sabethes bite, meaning that aegypti has a much higher vector competence than Sabethes. This idea that there are locations where a person can live that are more risky or less risky in terms of disease is called medical geography. Medical geographers study samples from all over and make maps, of where vectors are, where diseased animals are, where people are getting sick, or where the most vulnerable people live. In the case of the Zika virus, the areas the medical geographers would be more concerned for would be an area where a highly competent mosquito lives, where there are a lot of pregnant women, and where there are people or animals that are already currently sick with the Zika virus. Medical geographers would provide this information to authorities so that the people in charge would know which areas are most under threat. Okay, now that we've gotten a little bit of the background, we can get into the very interesting paper that I found to answer the question of which mosquitoes carry the Zika virus and where in the world they came from. That paper is Anieli Ferreira de Brito, Et al's paper titled First Detection of Natural Infection of Aedes aegypti with the Zika virus in Brazil and throughout South America. Published by, published by the Moreles do Instituto Oswaldo Cruz in October 2016. By the time the authors were working on this paper, Zika virus had traveled from Uganda to the Yap Islands in the Indian Ocean and from there onto the Americas. Just a few months before their paper was published, earlier researchers working in their laboratory had determined that Aedes aegypti mosquitoes were competent transmitters of Zika. Then there was more tantalizing evidence that came out of Mexico in 2016 when two wild mosquitoes of different species, Aedes albopictus and Aedes aegypti, were found to be infected with the Zika virus. Other than these bits of information, the researchers didn't know for sure what mosquito species in Brazil and the rest of the Americas was transmitting most of the viral infections to humans. So first they looked to see where most of the people with Zika infections were living, which brought them to neighborhoods all around Rio de Janeiro. Once these neighborhoods were mapped out, the field crews went to the homes of suspected Zika sufferers and used little mosquito vacuums to hoover up any mosquitoes they found in or around the house. Back in the lab, the researchers had a problem. The Zika virus does not have DNA like animals do. It has RNA. When a human gene is expressed, say to make your eyes brown, the DNA code is transcribed into a short, mobile strand of RNA. Because the DNA inside of every cell is so important, it must be protected inside of its own bubble, which is called the nucleus. The RNA messenger can leave the nucleus and go and interact with the rest of the things in the cell, like the ribosomes that use the RNA code to create proteins, like the brown eye pigment. The Zika virus does not have to enter the nucleus to be transcribed, because it is already RNA. All it has to do is enter the cell and find ribosomes that will read the code and build its proteins. It pays the price to get around the cellular defense, though. RNA is much less stable than DNA, and so it breaks down much more easily. For researchers, this is a problem. In order for them to find the viral codes inside the mosquito, they need to convert the RNA code into a more stable and easy-to-read DNA code, which is the opposite of what our cells usually do. Luckily, they had access to a technology called reverse transcriptase quantitative polymerase chain reaction. This sounds like a complicated name, but it's not so bad when you break it down. Uh, Reverse, because our cells usually make the DNA code and transcribe it into RNA code. So this technique goes the other way around and thus reverse. Transcriptase refers to the enzymes that do the work of the DNA to RNA transcription, or in this case, the other way around. Quantitative polymerase chain reaction, uh, so we'll start with the polymerase chain reaction, or PCR, is a biochemical method by which we can make millions and millions of copies of this code just by adding the right ingredients and changing the temperature of the mixture in cycles. Doing this quantitatively means that the machine also can determine how much virus is in the mosquito the Ferrero de Brito team ran all of the mosquitoes they captured through this process. Any mosquitoes that did not contain the Zika virus would show no viral content during the quantitative PCR, while any infected mosquitoes sampled were sent off for DNA sequencing to make sure that the virus they detected was the Zika virus and not one of its close cousins like yellow fever or dengue. Altogether, they tested 1,683 mosquitoes this way. Some were Aedes mosquitoes of different species, while others were Culex, or Southern House mosquitoes, which are pretty common here in the U.S. Only a few Aedes aegypti tested positive for the virus. Interestingly, one of those that tested positive was a male. Because males don't feed on blood, He must have been infected by this virus, either by his mother passing Zika down to him through his egg, or a Zika-infected female transmitting it to him during mating, or it's possible that it was a false positive. Because the Aedes albopictus mosquito has been shown to be capable of transmitting Zika in the lab, if not very effectively, and be infected in the wild, there's suspicion that it can also transmit the virus to people— if rarely. The researchers determined that because of its high vector competence and their presence in the area of active transmission, the Aedes aegypti are most likely the most important vectors of the Zika virus, not Aedes albopictus. This paper came out of the Brazilian Instituto Oswaldo Cruz, which is similar to our Center for Disease Control and Prevention here in the U.S., Because of this, I'm assuming that their work was funded by the Brazilian taxpayers, but I can't be sure as they didn't disclose their funding source. This paper only answers part of our question of the day, though. We now know how they determined the vector of Zika, but not how the vector came to the U.S. To answer this, I found a review paper called History of Domestication and Spread of Aedes aegypti by Jeffrey R. Powell and Walter J. Tabachnik. In their paper, they described how the Aedes aegypti mosquito used to be spread all over Africa. When the Sahara Desert began to form, the only breeding sites available to these mosquitoes could be found near people who dug wells and set up irrigation ditches. The mosquitoes adapted to living around and feeding from people, effectively domesticating them. Aedes aegypti were brought to the Americas via cargo ships during the slave trade. They are still tropical mosquitoes, though, and suited to high heat and no times of freezing. So when they were brought to the U.S., they were forced to stick to the southern regions that don't undergo long winters. They can move north during the summers, but only have consistent populations in places like Florida and Louisiana. The CDC has a lot of really great medical geography maps on their website. If you want to check them out, I'll post links on this episode's show notes. So the answer is that 80s mosquitoes that can transmit Zika have been in the U.S. for hundreds of years, but like us, This is really the first time they've ever been exposed to the virus. Well, I hope that you enjoyed our first episode of Tiny Vampires podcast. I'm very excited to continue to answer your questions. The question of the day for December was sent in by Adam Musa via the Facebook page. And he asks, I've read that the mosquito could be completely eradicated and or would have no ill effects on the ecosystem. Is that actually true? And if not, what is their role? So if you're interested in what ecologists have to say about mosquitoes' place in the world, keep your ears out for episode 2 coming out in December. I hope that you found and continue to find this podcast informative. Please visit my blog, tinyvampires.com, to see... Videos, citations for all the papers that I used in this episode, also show notes, music credits, and more. Also, please rate and review this podcast on whatever platform you're listening on. If you have any arthropod or disease questions you would like to be the question of the day, or if you have corrections, please send them to HFORRES and the number one at ndlikenoterdame.edu. Thank you for listening from me, Raven Forrest-Riscalzo, PhD student at the University of Notre Dame and member of the Social Responsibility for Researchers program and funded by the National Science Foundation.